0: I love being here with you, and I'm going to be sharing a little bit from the scriptures here. My subject is um, hope beyond the temporal, hope beyond the temporal. Uh, we usually despair because of what we see, feel, smell, touch. We despair. Something crazy will happen. We get a news feed, and, and we can't believe our, uh, what we're seeing or hearing, and we lose hope Uh, Or we are so bothered by the craziness that uh, it just happens that way. And so I really believe the Lord wants to speak to his people, not only those of you who are in the sanctuary, but those of you who are online and then others who are not online or not privy to this message today. I believe the Lord wants to tell us to take our eyes off certain things and place our eyes, our focus on Jesus Christ. That's what we should do. Hope beyond the temporal. Uh, we, when we speak of temporal, that is temporary things, we are speaking of that which pertains to this present life. It's temporary. It, this is not what God intends for eternity. It's temporary. And we also think about things of this world. So many believers are are so affected by the world, they think that their view of the world is God's view. And I would say often it is not God's view, the view that we have of the world. And so when we think about the world, we think about also this present age, this age in which we live. We often think about that. Also, when you talk about the temporal things, you're talking about things that are transitory, that they're passing by and they only endure for a time. So God's desire, our Father's desire, is that we don't put all of our attention and focus on those things. And I want to just give you some hope because if you don't have hope, there is hope beyond. There's rather an expectation of God beyond all of this beyond all of this, this world that we see. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, the, the scripture is speaking of Moses, who is a great example of how to handle this transitory life. There are too many of us who are putting, as it were, all of our eggs in this basket. We are putting all of our t- attention, all of our focus in this present age, you know, the, because there is a God of this present age, small G-O-D. He, uh, he is a, a, the God of this present age, this, this stuff that you see. He rules it. God has actually has him, the Father, our God, our Father, uh, the living God, has him on a leash. He can't do everything, you know, that he wants to do. But if he were able, he would kill us all. He would do that because he's that evil. But, but so Moses teaches us, the scripture teaches us rather, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us how to deal with it, how to deal with this craziness, this madness. I'm going to say firstly, we deal with it not by taking part in it. Do not take part in it. Uh, I, I find that a lot of of believers uh, or Christians, Or people who go to church, a lot of us get a little information from the church, the pastor. We get a little bit from our daily Bible reading or our monthly Bible reading, however we do it. We we get a little bit from this and from that, and then we form opinions. We we form uh, ways of comporting ourselves, conducting our lives. But that's not what we're to do. I, I mean, some believers. Uh, are, are not really believers because they don't believe the things that God says in his word therefore they don't have what God says why? because they don't believe them. those things are accessed by faith Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. and so we don't, if you don't believe because we have been you don't believe you don't receive we have been asking God for the things that a lot of times we can do for ourselves or if we had enough money we could get them done or if we had the right contacts, we could get them done. But I find that bel- we believers aren't asking God for the impossible. We are almost afraid to ask him for the impossible. You heard, I don't remember which, it may have been Pastor Jackson or Pastor Burt, but they, they were talking about this thing. And, and Sister Martha talks about our, one of our conversations and uh, about it. And I think, I don't want to misstate, but I think we were talking about Maybe a hopeless case of something. And someone said, well, all we can do now is pray. As though, well, we've, we've exhausted our best options. Let's just pray now. But then what happened was the Holy Spirit quickened me. You know, when he says quicken me, he, sort of gave, he gave me a, a burst of life, spirit energy. And I said, no, prayer is the most effective thing we can do. We have to understand that. And so, and, and so if we are to, to have hope beyond the temporary, we must have our focus on someone and something beyond the temporal. We must have our focus in heavenly places. We must have our, our, our focus on the throne of God. We must have our focus at the right hand of the throne of God. We must have our focus on Jesus Christ. That's what we must do. The Bible tells us that you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. They're in Christ. And so the right of Hebrews helps us uh, to have hope beyond the temporal. Because if in this life only we have hope, it's one of our previous scriptures, we are of all men most pitiable or, or you could say most miserable. You're living a miserable life. A, a life that somebody ought to have some pity on you. So if, if in this life only we have hope. So it, Mo, the writer says that, to, about Moses, by faith. Now, by faith. So it, it takes faith to live the life that God requires. It takes faith. You must, not just what we would call just faith in anything, but faith in God. It says the just shall live by what? Amen. By faith. Somebody read their, their Bible. <laughs> The just shall live by faith, and so the just are those who are have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And so you are justified by faith, and now you must live by faith. All right, is that good? It's good to me up here. So by faith he forsook Egypt. Now Egypt was the wealthiest, probably the probably the wealthiest country on the planet at the time. And it says by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king. You cannot live a faith-filled life being fearful. And I'm not speaking of people who who say, who have little cliches that they throw around. But I'm just saying, you know, you'll hear them. You know, let me just do a little digression here. Um, You know, those of you who travel with us and those of you who know about our travels know that we don't go to the places in the world because... We are trying to find a safe place to go. We want a God-appointed place to go. And so when the Lord says go, we go. Now, we pray. We're not cavalier, you know, we're not some swashbuckling guy, a person. But we pray and we go in faith. And we have, we have gone to some of the most dangerous places on the planet. We've gone to some of them where they kill Christians, where they don't want Christians. They don't welcome Christians. Uh, they, they, uh, they blow up churches. We've gone to those places. And then we've gone to places who uh, they would just as soon rob you as they would say hello to you. We've been to those kinds of places. We had uh, our Brother Ben was with us in one such place. And uh, we didn't take him as a bodyguard. We took him as a preacher. But his military training caused him to see things that that, that uh, Reverend Stan Mack and I weren't we, we weren't even worried about, weren't even thinking about them. We had Jesus on our minds, and so and so he would notice things, and he he approached us very quickly and said, "There's these several men are, are observing you." And I had my little money bag on my arm, you know. I had it close, and it was clenched fist too. And so, but no, not to fight, not to fight, not to fight. I, not to find It was clinched. <laughs> I was holding on that money bag, <laughs> and so uh, he c- approached us quickly and and explained to us what basically what we needed to do, how we needed to comport ourselves. And he was watching, but we were men of God. I'm saying we're not afraid. We're not fearful. We don't wear masks because we're fearful. We may- wear masks because we love you. And, and if I should happen to have something, I don't want to hurt you because I was some. Care, careless person, careless person, and did not wear that. So it's not like, oh, faith over fear. You got fear. No, we go to places that you would most of you would not want to go. And, and so I'm not saying we weren't. we are not daring. So, and I said to Brother Elliot here, I said, I said, now if, if we should lose our lives in one of those places, and somebody said, well, they should have gone. You rebuke them for me. I won't be here. But. <laughs> You rebuke them for me because we're, we're not, we don't do those things. Now, I'm saying that Moses here did not fear the wrath of the king. You can't fear a man and serve God. You, no, you won't serve him very well when you fear a man. You have to keep looking to God. You have to keep looking to what you cannot see with your natural eyes. That's the way to be successful in this life. We talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was successful because he always had uh, uh, Yahweh on his mind. He had his mission on his mind. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He could not be used for other things. Now, let me just say this to you. Uh, uh, someone very dear to me, very special to me, said to me, uh, you could probably make commercials. You know, Now, I don't hear my voice like that. But they said, you could, could probably make commercials. and And I thought... It, it, probably, maybe so, if so, I don't want to use my voice for that. I don't want to use him for that, I, my, my voice for that. I want to use it to proclaim Jesus. And, and that's how John was. That's how we all should be. And here it says, John, I mean, sorry, not John, Moses. <laughs> Moses, it says, for he did not fear the wrath of the king, for he endured how did he endure how did he how was he strong how was he steadfast? how is it that that he was not discouraged? he endured as seeing him who is invisible so one of our our heroes of the faith endured the wrath of Pharaoh Pharaoh was was one of the most ferocious rulers of his day and and and, and he was without a doubt one of the strongest monarchs of his day he was considered a god but small g-o-d and and but he says he didn't fear him he endured because he saw somebody greater than pharaoh he saw god the father he saw god the son that's what moses saw and now in first corinthians chapter four verses verses nine through 13 we're going to switch we're going to go from the old testament i have a lot of old testament examples the bible says some of them were sawed in two can you imagine crazy thing. All I'm going to do, you know, I'm just going to don't feel for him. If something like that would happen, I'm just going to hold my breath and say, Jesus, that's it. (laughs) Let it happen, right? Why? Because we see him who is invisible. You know, we we don't recant because we see him who is invisible. And and so here in, in, in the first Corinthians chapter four, we have a new Testament example where Paul is talking. He says, for I think that God has displayed us the apostles last. As men condemned to death, can you imagine? You are sent by Jesus, the greatest, the great overcomer, the greatest overcomer. You're seeing uh, the one, that one man, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our the God Man, defeated the host of hell by Himself. Come, it's amazing. You know, He didn't have a, a, an army of angels or an army of men. He defeated them by Himself. One man against an innumerable company. And he sends Paul out, all these apostles out. He said, they're like, uh, he said, like God has displayed us, the apostles last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Can you imagine that? So they went out, not, yes, under the protection of God, in a a real sense, but they went out not pampered by God. Protected. But not pampered. So we, we like pampering, don't we? we? don't yeah, you know it's the truth, you know. Some of y'all just been here a long time today, you just get a little weary. But but we like to be pampered by God. I remember when I had the ice cream addiction. Yeah, I had an ice cream addiction. You know, and uh, I, I pampered myself with ice cream. I pampered myself. I had to have ice cream. I know that sounds silly. But i had, had I mean I ate ice cream maybe every day, maybe every day or every other day, you know not 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 once a week, you know and 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 I, I even at midnight, if my body said, "I want some ice cream," I said, "Don't worry, baby." Don't worry. <laughs> I'll get you some, I'll get you some." <laughs> Twelve o'clock at night. I don't. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. There may be robbers out. Don't worry. I'll get you some. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but God doesn't pamper us. He doesn't pamper us. These these brother Paul says, we are fools for Christ's sake. You know. I, you know people sometimes think, well, you you crazy going to these places. I remember we had a. Uh, uh, a wonderful gentleman. I wish I had remembered his name. He, he uh, was here. He, he lived in Georgia. And if you're watching today, send me your name. Now, don't you send me bogus names. I'm a man of God out there. So, so he lived in in uh, Georgia, and uh, he said to me, "He said, Pastor, he said my my family and I, uh, we work for the State Department in this area, and we've been here for quite a while. I want you to inform you of something." you're going to dangerous places, Pastor. You're going to places where the State Department does not recommend that that American citizens go. I I said, I know. And I said, but we go wherever Jesus wants wants us to go. And he said, I'm praying. I'll be praying for you. We must move back to Georgia. He said, but we don't want to go. We have to go. He said, we want to stay here and be a part of this work. I I said that not to, to boast here, but to just say, you and I, are on assignment from God. And we don't want to get our information from the secular and then try to spiritualize it. Did you hear what I said? Let's don't do that. Let's don't do that. And so Paul is, is speaking about how God treated them. And so God has taken us around the world to very, very dangerous places, Very poor people killed right before we got there, killed right after we left. We weren't going to try to prove we were the bull of the woods. We're not the bull of the woods. We're just in God's company. But even at that, it seems like he has been so generous and kind to us. Uh, and, but when you read Paul's account, it's like, wow, maybe I didn't have this stuff. Listen here. We are fools for Christ's sake, but I am too but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, I am too, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored sometimes. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst never, except fasting. And we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. I'm not beaten, I'm not homeless. But maybe I didn't have the stuff to be beaten and be homeless. He said, we labor working with our own hands. I've done that. Being reviled. We bless, yeah. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of this world, the offscouring of all things until now. And Paul is saying we've lived a life where it was like we were somebody's bathwater. We were something terrible. This is the real apostle. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying you can't live like this in, in a victorious manner unless you are seeing him who is invisible. You cannot live like this if you don't have hope beyond this present world. Amen. I am not telling you not to be good citizens. Every one of us ought to be a, a great citizen. We ought never give uh, uh, the police or, or the sheriff any, any guff whenever maybe we're stopped for, for doing 70 and a 35. You know, you know we know. i say 45 and a 35. So I just did the 70 for, in case. And I look at Second Corinthians uh, four sixteen, 16. And I want you to just lay, uh, lay them out by the, these two portions of Scripture and just uh, take a look at them. Paul says, we do not lose heart, verse 16. We do not lose heart. What do you mean, Paul? We don't lose heart. How is it that you don't lose heart when you see the crazy things that are going on in the world? Why do you not lose heart, Paul, when you were beaten three times with rods, five times with a cat of nine tails, uh, and you were going to do God's work? Jesus sent you, and you got shipwrecked on the way. You're going to tell him you don't lose heart. We want everything to work out. If it doesn't work out, it must not be God. What? Read your Bible. Are you still with me? You know I'm not angry with you. I'm just passionate. Amen. Read your Bible. I remember we we moved here from the Middle East. My wife and my family and I we moved from the Middle East. It looked like nothing was happening. Right, man. We couldn't get a house right away. Couldn't get this right away. Nothing was happening. I was ra- driving down Sheratoga. I think it was a two lane road at the time. Driving down Saratoga, going west, and I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. I said, uh, nothing is working out for us right. I said, I thought if we, we got back here obeying you, you know, something like that I was saying. I said, things will work out. He said, read your Bible. That's the only thing I heard from the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit said, read your Bible. I, I sent you back here to start a church. You need to read your Bible, boy. Are you with me? Are you with me? You, you, you get through this present stuff by seeing something that the naked eye cannot see. And if you're not seeing with your spiritual eye, you're not really walking right. Too many believers. I, you have to read your Bible. You know, read your Bible. It's not the hokey stuff. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, the, what, what real Christians are made from. You know, you get out there and you do what Jesus says. You don't get out here and do all the, all the crazy stuff that everybody wants to do. It's not what God is saying. But so Paul says, we do not lose heart. So we don't lose heart because he who sent us is with us. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And then Paul has the audacity, that just means the nerve, to say this. He says, verse 17: for our light affliction. What? Beaten, homeless, light affliction? Paul says a light affliction. So whatever you and I are going through light affliction. You haven't been beaten by, by, uh, with rods three times. Three different times, not three licks. Three different times. Just whipped him for preaching. One time, you know, then he's beaten with a cat of nine tails five different times. Thirty-nine lashes each. And, you know, one time he was stoned. Laying down on a pile of stone. Got up and went to preach after that God resurrected him from that stone. And and he got up and still preaching. The same thing that got him stoned, he kept doing it. Because he saw somebody who was invisible. He saw God. He saw Jesus Christ. Come on. uh, We can... Our stuff, our stuff is really light affliction. He called when he went through light affliction. Well, man, ours is not even worthy to be compared. Right, right, right. Look at what Paul says: We do not lose heart. And then he says, For our light affliction, we don't lose heart. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. What, no, Paul, you did this for years and years. He says it was a moment Com- compared to eternity. It's a moment. 1,001, that's all it was, a moment, a, little, a second. We, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. All the bad stuff that's happening is working for you. Do you see it? It's working for us. It's working for us. I told the first two services, you know, all of my life pretty much I could handle insult or injury. I never could handle both of them stacked up. It was just too much. I had to do something, you know. You know, y'all, y'all, some of y'all still feel like that. You're looking at me like, are you going to preach and tell us that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so the Lord told me, I want you to be able to handle both insult and injury. I want you to comport yourself differently. When God, somebody says, you know, when, when God, like, uh, 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 asks a question, uh, they said, he's not searching for information for you. You know, when God asks you a question, he, he, that's a question you need to ponder. And so the Lord was talking to me one day, and he's telling me about the insult and injury. And the next thing he told me, maybe a couple, three months uh, uh, down the road, he said, I i want you to, uh, I want you to welcome that difficulty that comes to your life. You know how somebody praises you? Oh, you are the best. So-and-so or whatever that is I've ever seen. You're the best usher. You're the best singer. You're the best musician. You're the best, oh, uh, you're the best preacher or whatever. Or, you know, you're just so nice and kind. We love it. We eat that stuff up. Now, now some of y'all are just suspicious, but you eat it up in private. You just don't do it in front of people. (laughs) But, But we don't like it when somebody says, you know what? You talk too much or. You know, you think you're something. We we don't like that. Or, you know, uh, you're not nice at all. We get angry. If they say something about us that they feel, we don't like it. So the Lord was saying to me, when he told me to handle both insult and injury, what he was saying to me is I want you to welcome all, even the negative stuff that comes. Stop having this disproportionate, uh, attitude about the negative stuff you fight all the negative stuff I didn't like it oh I wouldn't say anything but I didn't like anybody just telling me off you know I didn't like it now, some of you may like it but I didn't like it I had to grow into it and it and it hasn't no we all have had it in some measure you know, we've been able to take, take paint stuff in some measure. But the Lord was saying to me, I don't want you to take it in some measure, some, some way that you've measured or when it's time to take it. I want you to just take it. And boy, life has been different for me. It's been different for me since God has done that. Paul says it's working for us a far more. Now listen, what, how, what is the metric? Far more. Exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Did you hear that? Far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And then Paul tells us how it's done in verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen. You don't judge your life by what you're seeing here. No matter how painful it is, how ugly it is, how unfair it is. Now, it doesn't no matter how undeserving you are of it. We don't not look at the things which are seen, but do it in about face. At the things which are not seen. And Paul explains it, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So you can call beatings and homelessness and difficulty when you've done everything right and you've loved God and you still didn't get what you wanted. He said, light affliction. Men condemned to death, light affliction. Men made a spectacle of, even to angels and to men, light affliction. Being dishonored, light affliction. Poorly clothed, light affliction. Beaten and homeless, light affliction. Yes, yes. Our light affliction, he says, is but for a moment, and it's working for us. So let us, let us, no, I'm going to join you. Thank you. Let us not join those in the world who take sides. Can you imagine, the Bible says that we we are going to judge the world, and we are we will judge angels. We will judge angels. And and that, that's amazing. Don't you know you're going to judge the world? The saints are going to judge the world? Really? Wow. Now, you can't be a, a righteous judge being partial. That's why I got out of the political craziness. I'm out of it. When I say something, I'm not taking sides. I'm telling truth. Because how can I... Judge if I've taken a side already. Can't do it. So I, I don't do that stuff. What I, I'm getting my marching orders from God. I'm seeing the One who is invis- invisible, and He tells me things that just blow me away. That means just overwhelm my mind. I'm thinking, Wow, God, I didn't think about it like that. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for showing me. Think, Oh, wow, Jesus. He says, I love people you don't like. Wow, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love people who don't believe like you. Yeah. I love the people who are causing you a lot of pain, son. Yeah. Yeah. Has woken me up in the middle of the night to, to inculcate that. I love them too. And I want them saved like I've saved you. So I want you to respond to them differently, not out of human flesh. Wow. Wow. This, this is big boy time, isn't it? Big girl time for all the believers in Jesus Christ. Yeah, Hope beyond the temporal. This, this is not my, my home. This old world is not my home. I've got a home in glory. And the old song says, and it's mine. It's mine. That's what we need to do. We need to talk more about what cannot be seen with the naked eye rather than fighting over these local lots. I'm almost finished, Brother James. And Paul tells the Colossians, he says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Now, he didn't say it necessarily in response to what I've just said. But it it all works together because he said, for our citizenship is in heaven. How is it that I overcome when when everybody is overcome and I'm an overcomer? Why? Because my citizenship is in heaven. Because I see Jesus Christ seated on the throne of God. That's what God wants us to know. So you will become despondent if you're looking at this. For if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most pitiable, most miserable, pitiable. It's not this life. God has something better. And we're going to understand it better by and by. Revelation chapter 317. Let me read that. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor blind and naked. You think Jesus would talk to you like that? You think you're rich. I'm, I'm not against riches. We're going to be making a trip to West Africa in, in a t- couple of weeks or so and, and uh, we need money. I mean, we don't have it. So, so I'm not against money. I'm, I'm against the wrong use of things. Listen what he says. I counsel you. Now, now, now the church says, "This is what we got." He said, "I counsel you, don't you give God counsel? Let God counsel you." I counsel. You know, I've counseled God before in my life, before I knew better. Now, Lord, this, I got this problem, and uh, this is how you can fix it for me. <laughs> I, now, this is what you can do. You um, know, I, I, I've said things like, "You know, I mean, I don't really need a million. If you want to give me a million, it'll help." Uh, but, but this is what I need you need you by this time to do this and do that. And if you will do this, move this obstacle here, I've done that. Am I the only one in the house? But he said, I counsel you. Now, how does he counsel the church? He said, buy from me, buy from me. Because they were, they were talking about, they were rich. They were talking about gold. He said, buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. So what he is saying is, there, there are riches, but they come from me. The true riches always come from God and not the earth. It's okay to have the other things that we, have, we need. I love air conditioning. I love central heating. I love soft seats. Yeah. I love that. I, mean, enjoy, I enjoy driving a car that has an air conditioner in the summer and a heater in the winter. I love that. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not where our hope is. Our hope is, okay, I, t- I told you, Brother James, I meant everything I said. When I said it, I meant it. <laughs> now listen what he says. Buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed. That Why? That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. I am so glad God saved me. I'm so glad that God saved you. Because he says, buy from me this gold uh, that's tried and refined in the fire. What he's saying is purity. And then he's saying here, white garments. What he's talking about is not your own self-righteousness, but the righteousness that comes from God. The righteousness that Jesus Christ is. He says, I'm going to clothe you with Christ so that your nakedness, who you really are, will never show. Yeah. That's what God is doing for us. And he says, "How do you live that? By seeing beyond this temporal." And then he says, "Then he says, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see." Because they was, you know, he says, "You're blind, but you need some eye salve that you may see." And then he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So then if this message chastens you, if it rebukes you today, that that means God was helping you. And if it did not chasten or rebuke you today, that means you've had it before today. Yeah. Verse 21 says, to him who overcomes, Jesus is speaking, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, Now notice, what did Jesus do that, that characterized his life. He, he, did, he always did that which pleased his father. He, he was single-focused, always wanted to know, what do you want, Dad? Is that the way you live your life? I heard somebody say one time, I thought it was a cute saying and I repeated it, but I heard somebody say, I've been seeking God, seeking God, seeking God all my life, now I want some things. And I thought, wow, that's, that's cute. So I just kind of said, well, God, I've been seeking you all my life, and now I want some things. And I got so rebuked. <laughs> because that's not what this is saying. You see God, and he'll give you the things you need. But things are not the object. Not of my affection. He says, look, Jesus sought him diligently, prayed all the time. He was always seeking God. He didn't do what he did because he was the divine. The, Paul tells us that when Jesus came to the earth, he disrobed himself. He, took, he, he, he didn't come down here as God, working by the power of divinity. He learned everything. He, he knew the will of God just like you and I know the will of God by praying, fasting before he started the ministry, always spending time with God. If he had, well, where's Jesus? Well, I don't know. Let's go find him. He's out there praying way before day. Are you with me? Now, listen. He says, I overcame. How? Because he saw the one who was invisible. He had hope beyond the temporal. And then he says to us, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. That's what he's saying to us. So I want to just say to all of us, let's in 2022 and beyond, let's give Jesus what he's asking for. Let us Come out from among them. I'm not saying don't have worldly people that you you talk to and love. That's right. But come out in lifestyle from among them. And be separate. That is, get your information. Get your marching orders from the Holy Spirit. Get your marching orders from God. And don't tell God what the marching orders ought to be. I'll come back in a minute. Thank you, Brother James, for being patient.